Welcome into another episode of Negative War, Positive Vibes, CJ Nikowski and Ryan Spielborgs. And here we go. Final week of the regular season and uh, things are getting really good. Still some things that have to be settled around the league. And we'll start with the big weekend in the American League West, Billy. And it was certainly uh, fun to watch. I got to see it, of course, calling the games for the Texas Rangers. But it was just as much fun, quite honestly, tracking what was going on with the Houston Astros. The Astros swept by the Kansas City Royals at home, the Astros end up finishing uh, their home schedule 39 and 42. Absolutely shocking to see them fall under 500 at home. Uh, they get great support there. It's a great place to hit. I don't know what to make of that one. And then you had the Seattle Mariners coming into town to visit the Rangers, and the Rangers swept them. Uh, kind of interesting to see. Uh, the offense showed up in games one and three. A lot of runs scored, a lot of home runs. The Rangers hit six in Sunday's game. And then they hang on in a tight one, two to nothing uh, on Saturday. These both teams will both play each other four games uh, coming up this weekend to finish out the regular season. So nothing is settled. Uh, but when you look at the standings right now, the Texas Rangers are two and a half games up on the Astros, three games up on the Seattle Mariners in the American League West. For the actual wild card, uh, which certainly is getting wild there in the American League. Both of those teams obviously involved. We know Tampa uh, is going to be locked in, but it's the Blue Jays in the second spot, and then the Astros holding on by a half a game here against the Seattle Mariners, but they do not have the tiebreaker. Man, the tiebreaker, Spilly, seeming much more important than I ever remember because we don't play a game 163. If there's a tie, say, for the third wild card spot, uh, so be it. The team that has the advantage uh, ends up winning. So what do you make of the idea? First, we'll start there. Just at how important uh, these tiebreakers all of a sudden have become here. I feel like it's been more than ever. Yeah, I love it because there were games already like in, in early September, whereas, I mean, you you knew if you lost this game, you lose a tiebreaker. That was what happened with uh, Baltimore and, uh, and Tampa Bay earlier in, in September is that you were having these games where, it mattered. Like it really, really mattered. And if you're a fan of either one of these teams, you're like, dang, they, they have to win this series for the head to head. And now that you get into the final week. So those games over the course of the year, they, they count games in April games in May. We know that like they really do uh, have some impact over, over the course of the season. So I love it. Uh, I'm also really kind of curious to see how the Houston Astros respond to this weekend, because I think I told you the story. It happened about a week ago. I, I think I think the the Houston Astros could be what I experienced. So um, we were we I told you we were at a, a at a soccer game in Colorado Springs and uh, we had we suffered a flat tire. And I go to a gas station and uh, I'm there with a the flat tire. And we have a a tow truck coming to grab us uh, and, and help us change a tire. And so some people saw us on the side of the road in the Tesla and they're like laughing at us because they thought that we ran out of energy. We did not run out of energy. It wasn't like we, like our, like our car was empty. Our car was fine. We, we just needed to change the tire. So like I had all these people that thought it was so funny. Ah, ha, ha. You can't like fill up your car. Cause you're, you're out of, you can't, you don't have gas. Well, that, that isn't the case. And I think same thing what's happening right now with the Astros is we're looking at this team and we might be thinking, oh man, defending World Series champ, six times American League Championship Series, they're out of gas. It's over. They're done. They're on the side of the road. They need, they, they need a, a tow truck to get them and then they're done. They might just need to change their tire. Mm-hmm. And, they, and, they're, and they're fully charged and they're ready to blow right by you. So I... 
don't know what's going to happen. I, I legitimately don't know. I don't know if the Seattle Mariners are capable of putting together a week good enough because they, they have a chance, unfortunately, to, if they have a big week, they win the division. If they have a crummy week, they're out of the postseason. That's so crazy. It is also crazy. And perhaps that changing of the tire means for the Astros just getting away from home. Again, I mentioned kind of wild to see that they have struggled so badly at home. I do think that some of their younger starters may be uh, starting to run out of gas a little bit. We saw Hunter Brown give up four home runs yesterday, a guy who uh, started off his career uh, going on an unbelievable run of not giving up any home runs. And that's reasonable um, that that would happen. His last two starts, he's given up 13 runs and six home runs over that time. This little five-game stretch for the Astros, they're one and four. Uh, Fromber had a rough start, which I think was probably as shocking as any, giving up seven runs. He punched out 10, but he gave up seven runs. Uh, Christian Javier was actually uh, really good and picked up a no decision in his last start. Uh, JP France was just kind of okay, uh, but no doubt these guys are starting to fatigue a little bit. Look at the, all the fatigue factors. In the case of the Houston Astros, I feel like it's the rotation. I know that some of the offenses struggled over this little stretch here. Uh, then you look at the Seattle Mariners. I think it's probably both some of their younger starters Right. If you look at Bryce Miller and Brian Wu and even Logan Gilbert, although he was pretty good, the idea of trying to get deep in games has been a problem. We remember that whole thing with George Kirby not that long ago. It felt like that kind of changed the vibe a little bit surrounding uh, the Seattle Mariners when he had gone out for the seventh inning and, and gave it up and then said he probably shouldn't have been out there or he didn't want to go back out for the seventh inning. Well, their bullpen is beat up a little bit right now. It's still good um, and it runs deep, but they are beat up. Uh, a little bit. They got a couple of their relievers, their go-to guys that are in the top, you know, three or four in games pitched uh, coming out of the bullpen. So that's a little bit problematic for them, which also was interesting to me in this is that each team has a tiebreaker advantage over another, right? <laughs> so the, the Mariners have it over Houston, Houston has it over Texas and Texas has, has it over Seattle. Now the other part is that only the Astros have an off day. So maybe that will help a little bit with the reset. If they can have a decent enough series, say take two out of three from the Seattle Mariners, uh, then they're going to get an off day, and the Mariners and the Rangers are not. And that really could come into play. Again, we're talking about some of these arms that may be starting to fatigue as we go down the stretch here. That is a really big one. I think that that potentially happens as well. But all of a sudden, out of nowhere, uh, the Texas Rangers are in the driver's seat, um, which, quite honestly, it wasn't that long ago when they went 4-16 and 16 over a 20-game stretch that they kind of lost control of their own uh, destiny. Then they won six games. Then they lost four straight. Now they've won five straight. And now they're just hoping, of course, that they can continue um, that going. But they have their issues too, Spilly. And I know, you know, we've talked about it a little bit and other people wondering about what everything that's going on with this rotation because the, the uh, Texas Rangers, no Max Scherzer, no Jacob DeGrom, uh, as we know. And uh, Nate Evaldi just coming off the IL made another start yesterday and still not quite back to his regular self. Yeah, so this, I, I have no idea how these wildcard teams end up. I don't know how Texas is going to end up. I don't know how Houston's going to end up. I don't know how Seattle's going to end up. The team that I feel like is in the best position is Toronto, mm. but Toronto has like a good game here. And then they like, they puke on themselves. So I don't, I like out of all these four teams and all these four teams, I think are capable of going to the world series. I do. I really honestly believe that. I believe any of these four teams could make it to the World Series, but only three of them could go to the postseason. And one of them is going to fall short. Yeah. And there's, and like, that's why this, this final week of baseball, so much fun. Uh, the National League feels a little bit more settled to me. 
especially with with Philadelphia is going to get their their ticket punched. Uh, so they should be the number one wild card spot. The the final two, it feels kind of Chicago Cubby-ish, should be there. Diamondbacks today lost a heartbreaker to the Yankees. Otherwise, they'd be in prime position. We'll see because the Diamondbacks play three against Houston to end their season at home. And they could be likely, very likely, to be very important games for the Astros. And if they're still within reach of that division, because remember, they are they have the tiebreaker over the Rangers. So they don't have to win the division outright. They just have to tie the Rangers like we saw the Atlanta Braves do last year uh, to the New York Mets and how that whole thing went down and how the tiebreaker was so important last year. Remember that series when the Mets went down to Atlanta and could not win with any of their big starters. It was crazy. Um, And that certainly could be the case here for the Arizona Diamondbacks and the Houston Astros. The Arizona Diamondbacks and the Cubs right now are tied uh, for the second. They have it. They, they, they're basically holding it, even though they have the same record. It's the second and third uh, wild card with the Marlins a game back. Uh, we have seen now the San Francisco Giants start to fade. Uh, the Padres are trying to have some fun right now, uh, but they're five games back and about to run out of time, no doubt. And the Marlins are just a game back. That's probably the one team uh, that has a legitimate shot. Do you care about position? This is something I think that comes up with fans sometimes. And I, I would never, I can never imagine a scenario in which you would try to manage a situation uh, to get a say a matchup that you want. Yeah, you know, because people are talking about that. Would it make sense? Because again, the Rangers, for whatever reason this year, using them as an example, have not matched up well with the Houston Astros. And that's why they don't have uh that tiebreaker. I'm I'm seeing some of our fans on social media. I know it's kind of crazy. Yeah, don't but be it's stupid. Like, yeah, yeah. You know, like, okay, well, if we don't win the division, um, you really want the Mariners to win it, and hopefully you're playing the Mariners, you know, that kind of stuff. Um, or you know, if it, we're in a position where we're better off laying down because it avoids this potential matchup. Is there a manager in baseball that would ever consider that? EJ, you know this, no matter what, you have to beat the teams that you're playing. So even if you have a a better or worse matchup, and we've seen too many examples, we're like, oh, well, this is a good matchup for this team. They lose. Mm -hmm. At this point of the season, you have to win or you're going home. That's, I mean, no matter what. Like I, I still go back and think of my 2007 Rockies, our team that went to the World Series, and we matched up against Boston. And you know we matched up against Boston because we were waiting eight days for the Red Sox to come from behind and beat the Guardians. Now I used to think that the Guardians would have been the better matchup, or the Indians at the time would have been a better matchup, especially if they would have finished the series because we we felt like we could have handled. Um, the Indians, the Red Sox, that team, by the way, when it's all said and done, if you go back and look at the 2007 roster uh, of that of that Red Sox team, that's a billion dollars worth of of salaries and players. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like Manny and Ortiz and Kurt Schilling and Veritek and and uh, like just so many Mike Lowell and Dustin Pedroia and Jacoby Ellsbury, like they ended up having like a billion dollars worth of player salaries from that one team. Like if you were to calculate all their uh, career earnings. So that was, that was truly a a remarkable team. But my point was, is if our team was going to win a world series, it wouldn't have mattered if it was against the Red Sox or the Indians. We, we would have had to beat the team no matter what. Yeah, that's right. I mean, it's just kind of the way that it goes. And I think it's, you know, again, it's kind of fodder and it's, you know, it's fun and, and fans want to have that conversation. Um, but it doesn't make any sense at all. You just play the games uh, and things finish the way that they finish and don't try to control who your opponent um, could end up being. A year ago, 
Uh, we talked a lot about the Philadelphia Phillies, the change that they made, Rob Thompson taking over as their manager after they let Joe Girardi go, and they went on this great run, they got their act together, and they barely made it into the postseason as the sixth seed, the last wild card, and then they made it to the World Series, uh, eventually losing in six games to the Houston Astros. We are seeing, I don't know if you want to call it the same, same vibe, same feeling, uh, take it for what it's worth. We know the Philadelphia Phillies are going to go to the postseason. They're not going to seek their way in there. They have a five-game lead as the first wildcard team right now. They're on a five-game winning streak, and they've been playing some really good baseball. Eight and two over their last ten. Everything seems to be uh, going right. Nick Castellanos is swinging unbelievable hot bat right now. Six home runs for him uh, in his last ten games. They have hit 17 home runs as a group. Uh, in their last 10 games. The pitching seems to, for the most part, uh, be lining up for them. We talk about that rotation and how important Zach Wheeler and Aaron Nola are, especially come postseason time when we talk about a potential wildcard series, which is you know where they're going to be as the fourth seed in the National League. How are you feeling right now about the Philadelphia Phillies? Is it fair to make that comparison from where they were a year ago? Just get in uh, because perhaps this is a team that is built for the postseason. So... Having just been in Philadelphia on Friday and sensing the vibe, and I and I told you, so I covered the World Series last year, uh, Phillies and and Houston. I went to Game Five in Philadelphia. Uh, Kevin Franson did three and four. I showed up for five as a fan, and then finished out the series in Houston. So I, I I legitimately sat in that audience and and just soaked it in. I watched Verlander get destroyed as he was warming up at the bullpen by the fans there. <laughs> it was just insane. I watched Brad Lidge throw a ball to the backstop with his uh with his first pitch ceremony because uh uh Chooch wasn't able to be as agile as he used to be. Um so th- I've I've seen this Philadelphia Phillies fan base and the the fandom behind it. And this Friday, man, you could just feel it. Like, like CJ, it's like legitimately tangible. I don't know how many other fan bases are are quite feeling like this. Mm-hmm. I I felt, I felt like in 2021, I went and saw the uh, the Atlanta Braves, and their fan base was going crazy. We saw the Padres last year in the postseason. It, like, there's just like a certain energy, right? Like, it's not just like normal like where, where people are like throwing beers and and water. That's what the Philadelphia Phillies are, are kind of feeling right now. And then since the reverse, like the reverse cheering, when, when uh, Trey Turner were struggling to where mm-hmm. they are now um, since August 4th, they were 59 and 51. And now where they are now, 87, 69. And we know the numbers that Trey Turner and, and Schwarber has put up. I think this team this year, CJ, is better than they were a year ago. I like them better defensively, even though Bryce Harper at first base is still a work in progress. Um, the kid Rojas in center field is legit. They 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 feel better. They do. They feel better than they did a year ago. And I think they I think they have a pretty significant run in them. Their their only part where I'm a little bit uneasy was last year Zach Eflin in the back end of the bullpen was was a huge piece mm-hmm. for them um Philly's back end of the bullpen feels a little bit a little bit short just a little short and so that's where I think they could they could get hung up is the back end um and we'll we'll see that's what I mean a lot of teams are probably feeling that way to some degree is there a starter 
uh, that they could put in, uh, especially for a wild card series. Right. If you're talking about only needing up to three starters, is there a starter that goes into the bullpen for the first couple of games uh, in that wild card series? And kind of as it stands uh, right now, they would be playing the Arizona Diamondbacks in the first round of the wild card. The winner goes on to play the Atlanta Braves. That could change, obviously, with some of the things that are going on and how tight it is right now for the fifth and the sixth seed. But the Philadelphia Phillies very likely hosting uh, that wild card and uh, certainly would be a tremendous atmosphere. So it feels like we're headed back in that direction again. But I wonder that part of it, right? The idea of, um, I, don't, I mean, I don't know if Taiwan Walker uh, necessarily is that guy, but, you know, do they have to figure it out? You know, once they clinch, as an example, they haven't clinched officially yet, right? That spot, I don't think. Um, uh, either way. But once that happens right there, now they have not, but, but they will. I wonder, do you think there's a starter that they need to throw out of the bullpen just to get a feel? Like if they can do it, say on Friday, like they're going to, you know, unless this lead goes away, they'll clinch here uh, pretty quickly. And so, you know, would you like to see is it is Taiwan Walker um, the guy that gets a shot? I mean, it seems like if we're looking at trying to rank these starters right now uh, between uh, Nola Wheeler and, and Suarez, I believe would probably be your three, right? And so you have a guy like Sanchez, you have a guy like Taiwan Walker. Could could one of them um, be Sanchez has done a nice job generating some swings and misses, especially over his last couple of starts. Uh, is that a necessity? Do you think that's going to be maybe that that hole since they missed it, since they had it last year? I think you're right. I think Christopher Sanchez is is your guy that goes out to the bullpen. He, he provides you bulk like you just witnessed with uh, with the Rangers. Yeah, he would be the person. I don't know if I want Taiwan Walker starting in a, in a no. postseason game, to be honest. I think there's, I'm a little uneasy. The velocity's been down. Um, if they do clinch, I'd probably shut him down for a bit. And and use them sparingly. You know, that does does twelve or fourteen days help him? Um, because I mean, I saw velocity go down. He's been a little in, inconsistent. The split finger is really good. So if you do want a team that that maybe doesn't have good numbers against a split finger, um, I mean, I, I think he could. I think he's serviceable, but mm-hmm. I just feel like Taiwan at this moment feels like the the weakest link, based on innings pitched workload and just basic stuff. His stuff is just a little short, even though he's able to grind through some stuff. I think his stuff is just a little short. Yeah. It'd be interesting, man. They got to probably figure that part out. And what does that bullpen look like, especially for a wild card series, man, this is really um, a lot of fun down the stretch uh, waiting for everything to get settled here. We are essentially seven games to go for some teams, six games we're taping here on a Monday afternoon and already one game. Uh, done here and so it is going to be just an incredible run here uh, down the stretch and trying to get things figured out one last one for me for you Spilly, and we'll and we'll get out of here I am in uh, Anaheim the Rangers start this three-game series right now uh, against the Angels yeah, we saw Mike Trout going on the 60-day IL and just things continuing to kind of get worse for the Angels I saw I believe it was 131 million dollars in salary right now that is on uh, the IL uh, I, I've been, I, and I don't know if I'm not being objective or not, but I've been somewhat of an Angels uh, defender with some of the stuff. I didn't mind the aggressiveness that they had come deadline time. They've had the worst record in baseball since then, um, and that's unfortunate, but that's the reality. I, I like the idea of trying to put your best foot forward and trying to win, even if it feels a little um, reckless. But I'm wondering, you know, you look at the injuries, you look at the lack of production, obviously what happened at the deadline, and then uh, putting some players on, uh, waivers so the other teams could claim them and maybe still not getting under uh, the luxury tax. Uh, kind of quick thoughts on the Angels' big picture and perhaps what may be coming uh, this winter for them. Ooh. So 
I, I I still I don't have the Angels as the most disappointing team second half. I think I put that on the Padres. I think the team that regrets their decision making down the stretch is going to be the Padres. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I I believe you know between the Angels, Padres, Mets, and even throw the Cubs in there, they probably had the best assets to move come trade deadline. Cubs held on; they ended up getting it to the benefit. They probably could have got a haul for Marcus Stroman and Cody Bellinger, and Mark Leiter Jr. The Padres probably could have got the biggest haul if they were to figure out, you know, Blake Snell and possibly Soto, possibly Josh Hader. Like they probably could have got something back, but I think the question mark was going to be was was a return equivalent to what they originally traded for. You know, would they be able to get a Mackenzie Gore or a or a CJ Abrams in return? Uh, would you be able to get, you know, some of the players that that went uh, in these different directions? You know, was it worth it? Can you get it returned? And and that's probably why the Padres are like, no, we'll just keep it together. The Angels, I mean, and and the trades that they made, they trade for CJ Crone. They traded for, you know, Randall Grichik. They got Lucas Giolito. Uh, I don't think those players. I mean, really, it didn't cost you as much. I think the unfortunate part is how they how they scrapped those players. So they basically, they gave away players for nothing in the grand scheme of things, other than to be able to get under the luxury tax threshold so they can get, what is it, a fourth rounder or is it a second rounder? I don't know how I feel about the Angels because I think it's, it's complicated because I don't know how much Artie Moreno got involved. And I don't know how much he squashed possibilities. So... Mm-hmm. And and I have not ever seen a an owner get fired. Have you? <laughs> they do not. So I, I I don't know how to respond to it. I don't yeah. know. I don't I don't know enough behind the scenes to to effectively blame where blame is due. You know, because if if it ultimately falls on the table table of the owner, then he should fire himself or take him out of that position. And I yeah. don't think he's got that. I don't think he has the humility to accept the loss like that. I think he'll point the finger at injuries and, you know, this thing happened here and this and that and that um, versus the process. So I don't think anything changes, man. I think they're going to, they're destined to continue to fail unless they get healthy and lucky. I know it, man. It it really is disappointing. And I had thought that they were kind of poised for being sneaky contenders. The other thing that happened with them, and I wonder how much they addressed this, a lot of their starters could not replicate what they did a year ago. The reason I like them, Sandoval, Detmers, Anderson in particular. So those guys were sneaky good last year. You're probably not paying attention to this rotation that they're putting together. And then it fell flat. And all those guys have significantly higher ERAs. And Suarez hurt this year. Um, you know, it hasn't been a good year for him. Only Otani uh, was better than he was. or close. He wasn't better from an ERA standpoint, but he had a really good year um, on the mound. And that certainly contributed uh, to it as well. Okay, that'll do it for us here on the Negative War Positive Vibes podcast. This is it. Final week of the regular season. Spilly and I will be with you every step of the way, whether it's here or on Loud Outside. I'm LB Network Radio, 2 to 5 Eastern Time. Uh, we have a handful of shows going uh, this week as well. Remember, at the very beginning of the season, Spilly and I talked about how this was going to be a great season in Major League Baseball. A lot of twists, a lot of turns. Not what we expected, but still amazing. Thank you, as always, for joining us. Have a wonderful day.